0: Okay. the um, the person that I want to speak about this uh, month was somebody called the Maram Shikh. and uh, let me just first just be kids to say um, when he lived and who he was and then we'll speak more about Barichas he was the Chsam Seifes. Chasch's um, Talmud. He was a some a big Talmud. Samsof himself lived from 1762 to 1839. He lived from 1807 to 1879, and he lived in Hungary. And he is most noted for probably the um, the, the, the struggle against the reform movement. And um, He's probably the central halakhic authority in Hungary at the time. He was considered the Chassam Seyf's of the Talmud. And uh, that's probably what he's most known for. We'll try to um, work our way around it and and get a sense of it. Before I speak about him personally, I'd like to give some sort of sense of the Tkufa. And when we talk about reform movement, exactly what we mean. Um, it helps a lot in understanding the backdrop. Helps us understand where the thrust of the was and why, and so on. So, at the end of the seventeen hundreds, there were Jews were beginning, for many reasons, to start becoming um, free thinkers. Let's let's say it, it followed the pattern of the world, and. Um, people, first of all, there, were, there was a liberalization and emancipation in different places, and Jews began to absorb a lot of what was around them, and it expressed itself in different ways. In places like France, for instance, um, assimilation was the big, it w- was the thrust of it. As people sort of saw Yiddishkeit as something very, very vague and not so meaningful, they started assimilating to the Goyim. The, um, the, the the Jews in Poland and in Russia and Lithuania, for them, Haskola was an end into itself and people looked for education. They dropped Yiddishkeit in different varying degrees and that was the, um, the thrust of, of, of that movement in those countries. In Germany and then by and, and by, movement into Hungary. Um, there, the thrust of that movement was reform movement. They wanted to change the the tsura of the worship. You, you see that the issues that they first began to um, deal with, and the things that they that they wanted to strike at was the um the worshiping the ceremony it's i guess it's because in germany and to some extent in hungary the, the the shul the synagogue was the was like the focal point of yiddishkeit certainly in germany and any changes they wanted to make they wanted to do in the shuls now the changes all had a common denominator and that is Christian worship is a lot nicer um, the dignified everything you want any any um, Adjective you want and therefore we need to put it in line with it so Instead of the chaza facing the 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 you know away from the audience you'll face the audience the um, The beamer instead of being in the middle will be up front um, the the there will be special garments for the for the clergy, they will have a um, choir. Um, they will have an organ. Um, maybe they'll move Shabbos to Sunday. All sorts of the focal point of reform was to make it church-like, and the services would be in the vernacular. They would daven in German, if it need be, or Hungarian, or whatever it is. There was the thrust of the reform movement in Germany, and by extension, Hungary. Now, it's important to remember that A. There was no reform movement that sort of had a sheeta. It's like, you know, they had their sheeta worked out. It was, everybody wanted something else, basically. And it started with people who had normally been orthodox of or from, and they were Kalidas, and they slowly began, like, so in 1810, they opened up a temple that had major changes from, from the former worship, somebody named Jakobsen, Jacobsen, in Germany, and then they had, they would, they would have um, conferences where they would get together 20, 30, 40, um, new, new type uh, Rabbonim, and they would come up with all sorts of things another very very important thing was that they speak all the, all the speeches in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the language of the country, so German, Hungarian, whatever it is those were all the types of things that sort of they wanted now, I want to... The, the, the from jury was very slow in responding they didn't think it's a threat. They didn't think it was. Also, the idea of, of any centralized organization was kind of alien to them. Now, let me explain um, why the um, the synagogues and the kahilas were most important in those days. In those days, the, the, in today, for instance, if somebody opens up some new sheath, some something new in in um, kind of, uh, I, want, I have a different idea, I want to make something, so I open up whatever it is I want to do, a center, a, a temple, a, a shul, a shtib, whatever I want, and I either attract people or don't attract people, and that's, that's that. In those days, most of the countries, most of the, in most of the communities, the money to support the kehilla functions were were acquired by a tax on the members of the community the governments in most places did not particularly care to get involved in jewish affairs and different ways and different degrees of autonomy each community enjoyed an autonomy they could tax their members and they did With the tax, they had the Rav Salar, the Shaychet, the Talmud Torah, the Yachnas HaSarachim, whatever it is that was deemed as important. Whoever collected the tax had phenomenal control. There wasn't money to go around to build alternative You Everything had to be from community. You also had a tremendous amount of power, because remember, most people didn't learn yeshivas to any extent. Most people the people who controlled their lives was the community if you were a Jew and living in a community and you were ostracized your life wasn't a life you had no, no place to go to you couldn't just melt into a Goyish community, Goyish couldn't accept either to, to, to be accepted in a Goyish community you need to be baptized there wasn't any real Eitza so the communities were extremely powerful in terms of providing the services and also um, having a very strong hand on forcing people to go in a certain way. Being that, so whoever controlled the community was, was de facto, that's what the community would be. And that's why the struggle began for the communities. The reform or reformists, they decided to start getting the government involved. In Hungary, we're talking about specifically and basically they wanted they convinced the government that the jews are backwards and ignorant etc cetera, etc cetera, because of of this so they proposed to the government that the jews form a um, a a congress and in 18 uh, it was in 1848 i believe it was in in um, in, in uh, i think it was 1868 actually 1868 in, in Hungary they had what's called the Jewish Congress um, by all accounts the it, it was sort of um, what's the right word for it the, the, the they managed to get more fry people to be um, representatives and once you're representative then you know that's you vote like you w- want to vote and they basically established um, they they tried to get, they, they, they tried to compromise, the Frum rabbanim tried to compromise that the one thing that has to be the assault of this of this Jewish, all Jewish organization of, would be that the Shulchan Aruch is binding on everyone. And they were voted out and down. So, the vast majority of the Frum rabbanim left the Congress. They appealed to the king... Make their own community, and he granted it. So, we have two communities now. We had what was called the Neologian community. N- um, Neologian means new theology, kind of the new, the, 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 new, uh, the, the new people. That was one group. And you had the Urayim, which would be comparable to Haredim today. And there was a small group of people and they formed a group which is kind of new they never from people had never been together in a group um, and then you had people of a few communities actually who didn't care to go in either direction they just didn't want they preferred that things remained the way they were always and they were called status quo uh anti status quo ante now, that was the, so, you had Neologians who were fairly equivalent to reform today, you had the Haredim, and then you had the small group status quo. They, they, the, the, um, the, the Haredim in Hungary, the Frum people in Hungary decided that cutting themselves off totally from the main community is the only way to go. I mean, they totally, totally cut us off. You can't, you can't get married with their children. You can't eat by them. They really, really separated the two camps. They also fought the status quo people very bitterly. They felt that the status quo people were ruining things because if every community stays by itself, it'll be captured by the, by the Friar people. So they battled them as well. And that was the status of Hungarian Jewry vis-a-vis the reform. Relating the Ramshik and some of his godless and his points and so on. First of all, where did I get the information from? So there is, like, like um, always, the most reliable place is his own works. He wrote a tremendous amount. of wrote tshuvis, There's a lot of chuvis, hidushim, and there's igris letters, which tend to be a very revealing about a person, his life, and so on. You're never sure that they printed all the letters. Um, Occasionally, have letters with pieces left out, but, but by and large, those those are extremely good indication. That's one. Two, there is a sefer called um, Darke Moshe HaChadash. Darke Moshe is Darke is his biography. It's a collection of Talmudim of his that they asked about him. Talmidim children and basically that's what it is it's it's simply quotations extensive quotations from Talmidim 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 and that's that's I guess is, is accurate in as much as it's it's a um it, these are quotes quotations direct quotes you also have I've mentioned name a few times somebody Andrew Hugh Greenwald who was a Hungarian Rav he ended up in America being Rav in Columbus Ohio wrote Colbert and Avelis, he also wrote a lot, a lot of historical stuff, and, and the stuff that he writes historic, the historic material, it's, it's done well, A, he footnotes everything, where he got the information from, and what he's quoting, and, and where is he coming from, which is vital to, to have a sense that the person at least, we, there's some basis for what he said, and he also sort of tries to give historical interpretation. I, I would like to share, it doesn't have to ramshik a lot, but I like to share two points that he, two or three points that he makes about the the fight of the Frum people against reform. He obviously was very Frum, he's he's a Haredi person, but he felt that the the way it was fought was inept to the nth degree. He said the Rabbanim didn't recognize the danger as it was happening. They never bothered to take note of what's going on. It wasn't until they actually formed a group And sort of made all, started making a lot of shuls that they finally woke up. That's one. Two, he said they had an Asifa for a few days. And he said they came out with what he felt was the most inane, um, silly um, summation of the situation. They said the reason why you have to reform is because you have a lot of Rabbanim who don't know enough shulharach in your day and stuff like that so from now on rabbanim are going to check up on all the Talmudiris and the chadarim that they're learning well and that that gives me only people know your day and things like that really well and also people shouldn't just be Nichol ribis well, i don't know not clear what that shaykh has had and and, and things like that it 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 seemed he felt this Rev greenwald felt that the, the 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 stupidest part of it was that they prohibited people from speaking speeches in in Hungarian he said the one thing the reform had going for them was they had very powerful speakers Their abundant were called predigers which means preachers and um, they were they could speak and and sway people by, by, by tying yourself down to speak only Yiddish you automatically lost them and he said, you know, in Germany, he Chacham Bernays, who was the Rav shantz Hirsch's Rebbe, he was a masterful speaker. Rav shantz Hirsch was a phenomenal speaker. Very, very powerful, very inspiring, extremely articulate. And he said, you, you, there were few people who could speak well in Hungarian, and they instead were busy making haramim against them, and he against them, and that's why he said they were shooting themselves in the foot. That's his observation. Although, you know, that's his own personal observation. Okay, Let's go to Ramshik. So those are the, my sources. So the Ramshik came to. He was from a little town called Breise, Moshe Breise. He came to Pressburg. He was a young age. He came to Pressburg as a young boy, maybe thirteen or fourteen, and he was very short, also. So he looked like a like a, like a kid. He he wanted to learn about some sefer, and if some safer, he was standing, so he, he, he came to the yeshiva there and he told the sefer that he wants to come in and sefer looked at him and said you know, my yeshiva is for grown up people not for little kids <laughs> and he, he said a little bit of a, a, a tzachos, the word braise in yiddish a brayzele means a little crumb a little nothingness, so like he said you know, I, I mean, I, I can't take you you know, you're so he insisted that if I heard, if I heard him the Saifer was very enamored by him and Saifer told him you'll eat by Mishabasim he, he learned six years in Yeshiva by him and he ate Shabbos, I think three years he ate Shabbos in every suda by the Samseifer. Samseifer adored him he once fell asleep on the Samseifer and the Talmud wanted to wake him up and Samseifer said it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shelf of sefarim laying on me you can't move the shelf he was extremely now, he, he himself, his son-in-law, writes that the the, the, the the Ramshik told him when he was young, he was very thick-headed. And he said, and the Malamdim had to explain the Gemara over and over to him until he got it. And he said he never let him get it down. He would just keep chazring and hazing and chazring until finally he got it. And he, he was the Kirk of his asmada. Um, he was noted for his phenomenal Hasmada. Everyone who writes about him, he would never... He was extremely... That's an, another, it, it's part of his personality. He was also stickler for Emes and Yashris. Tremendous onof. And very, very... He had a certain... Um, a certain very weighty way of approaching problems we'll see so i first want to look at one or two letters that speak about i guess is there Halimud and uh things of that nature david i think you always have the um the flashlight of some no. sort uh, if we can have that that would be very good okay this i, I wanted to read two things um, that are fascinating in terms of his Adrachat to Talmidim and his a letter, a very sharp letter that he writes to a future son-in-law of his uh, with Divri Musa he writes a letter to his son to his youngest, to his I believe it's his youngest, no, it's his oldest son he says um, I'm very happy he got the yeshiva and you know it's is, a it is, uh, Hine says, "Ahuvi um, Don't do anything without thinking it through both right side, both right and left. You know, look at both sides and then decide what's was there. In other words, don't do things by whim. Think through something and then go. Every night in Erev Shabbos, make a Hezben an Efesh what you accomplished that day or that week if he did a lot or just a bit here and a bit there and he said it's bo- it's it's better to do less but understand the shorash and where you're coming from and what you're doing than doing a lot but without knowing what you're doing and where you're doing and how you're doing he said and don't be somebody who talks more than he thinks um, what else he says he says um, everything that you learn you should have a Chavrusah and a good Chavrusa he says keep Chazoring and don't wait to Chazor till you forget um, let's see what else is interesting, he says um, be careful about your health and don't, don't do things that would damage your health don't try to be an Oye and be up at night more than you can Walk. Take a walk every day and speak and learn while you're walking. Cleanliness is a meter that brings to important meters and nefesh. So try to be clean um, and be Oyev shalom and so on. And other things like that also. And he says, um, write, uh, answer me in a week or two and answer your mother in Yiddish because the Hebrew that you write, she's not going to understand and it's, she should have uh, a letter and so on. This is one to his son-in-law, future son-in-law. He says, "Achaim <speaking in Hebrew> v'ashalom to the bacha the Hussein, who is who is supposed to be my son-in-law." I got you both letters, and he said, um, "The first letter I see, you got a mazal That's nice." The second letter, he said, "I saw things that I really feel I need to give you teichacha." His son-in-law had written, his switch son had written to him that he has a skvias, that before he goes to sleep, he thinks of learning, and he's writing a chiddish that he thought of that. He says, you write that you think of learning before sleeping. He says, it's not appropriate that a person go around talking about himself if he does something good. Um, He says, uh, the only header for that is if you want somebody to learn from you. If... uh, um, and, and, and it's not a derechachma that a person talk about himself because in the end people don't even believe it and they just think you're just boasting artists. So he said, I don't understand like, why you tell me this one of the things you're doing it's not a stick, and it's not smart either. Um, now his second point he said, you know, when you, when you write somebody Torah you expect that you write the best but don't tell me the stuff that, as you're drifting off to sleep, you wrote for me, <laughs> <laughs> as I said. And, and why don't you? Why don't you think that maybe it's a fantasy and not seichel? I said What a person works hard on, and uh, and learns, is t- is is good. And and you write that this just fell into your head as you went to sleep, and you think it's even a myla He says, and I must tell you that looking at the Taira. It is carved the Haloymes, he says. <laughs> um, and then he says, he knocks off his tire and so on, and he said, and I want to tell you, I, I wrote these thing because I want to impress on you, you should focus on learning the Sugi Be'iyun, and not waste your time to Hidushim because Hidushim are, come automatically, if you learn well, and you learn come automatically, and, and that's that. So that's uh, those are two interesting things. Uh, just in pres- and in his in the other ones in the uh, descriptions in in Darch uh, Meshulasholam, he has his sedra Yom with Talmidim. So four days a week he said a shir, one day a week he faher the Talmidim. He never ever said a shir that there wouldn't be a faher afterwards. Like Yom Tiv Shabbos, Yom Tiv he would say like a special shir Yom Tiv and it'd be a hair later on the day, on the shir that he said, and he said on a Simchas Torah, the the, the Gabbai was in a good mood, so he he made a mishabirach for for the Rav, and he said Bavur. They don't give a shear without testing, <laughs> <laughs> and and the Maran Sheikh said no way, <laughs> and, and, and you know he said this that's not that's not what I said, and he gave a test. That was he he was extremely accurate. He writes his Hamidim, and asmoda. I mean, this is, he writes on Hanukkah before Hanukkah, he got up and told Hamidim, Anybody is going to play any games on Hanukkah? goes to play cards? Is play this that? He said, "Please leave immediately." No, you know, it's it's a waste of time. It's nonsense and so on. The next section in the letters. This is a very very um, important. Is um, rabboness. Now l- let's try to understand a little bit some of the issues. Like we said before, in those th- today we, we don't actually have that picture so much. Today, the focal points of, of communities are either Rosh Hashivah's Yeshiva, Rabbis and Chassidim. A Rav and a community is rare that you have that type of, 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 of strong leadership. Um, in those days, the Rabbanis was the focal point. And there were a lot of, lot of problems, Machlokis and things of that nature. And the shik as the, as the choshev. In his early years of his life, the first twenty-five years or so of his of his rabbinic career, he was in a small town called Jergen, which was like sort of a suburb of Pressburg, or, or not like a resort area near Pressburg. He was able to sit and learn, basically. And his last fifteen years or so, he was um, in a uh, in Chust, which was a major city, and. It, it, it was also a very, very, it uh, was a center of, of, of a whole of Marmarsh. And um, he would answer to Rabban Walova, and a lot of fights, let me describe, so I, I want to first, Valper describes, so the importance of Arav's absolute domination of his, you know, of, of, of his area, and people not being able to do things without Arav's consent was vital he himself even though he was recognized as the goddle if he was asked a shila by any community that had a rav he refused to answer he would sometimes write and say i felt the need to be with falco with you but none of this can be construed to be upset because you have your local mayor there were, there were a few letters where he explains himself to a rav i happen to be in the town and there was an emergency there was a there was a, a miles father was Nifta, and the Shaila should do the British, should do this, and they, you weren't around, that's the only reason I would answer, I would never answer somebody else's city. That was one thing that was extremely important to him. Two, there would be fights who to take as a Rav, and the fights could turn ugly sometimes, many times. Um, third of all, you had issues where, you had Rabbanim that were gdol torah but we're beginning to become reform. it's something that we have a very hard time for us, somebody reform is born and bred reform. it's not, th- th- to imagine somebody that he calls Hagoyan or so-and-so but is very very um, weary of him, it's incredible, but that was the situation people went from being a a uh, recognized God tell, to being reformed um, and, and so you had a bottom like that in towns that people were becoming wary. and the question was could they move on, could they take somebody else, could they throw him out and the third issue was Khsidim were beginning to come into these communities. The Khsidim wanted to open up their own minyanim. Some of the said, no way, I'm the Rav, there's one minute, there's one minyan. You can't do that. Some of the wanted their own shaykhit. And the Rav would ask the and say it's Nevela, Because he has he has that ability as a maradasra. How should we deal with the Khsidim? They called him Sfardim, that's the way we called him, but it was, it meant, it meant this is Sfard. He himself had a fascinating relationship that someone asked about about. Ram shik was extremely close to the Sigit and it was, it was the forerunner of the, the, the it was the Yith of Lev, the forerunner of Satma, and there would be Dida Satsuma. Um... The, uh, he used to send anybody who came to him for brachas, he used to ship off to the Yitav Lev and say he knows how to do these brachas, go to him. So they once met, so, so the Yitav told him, you know what? I'm so tired of you sending people to me. I'll teach you how to do brachas and, and, you know, <laughs> you'll be able to do it. It was like, you know, they were joking. On the other hand, there was a different rabbi that lived in his town and never went into the Ramshik to say Shalom. And uh, someone asked the Ramshik, like, how do you explain it? The, the chutzpah. So he said it's like two very different drach, and whatever, he was very diplomatic about it. But that was the type of situation, so it undermined also the Rabbanis. How would the Rabbanis react to it? Those are the type of things. First thing I want to read is a letter about um, somebody who had an issue with a rav in a town, and people, he spoke out against him, and so on. See, so he says like this. I got your letter and he says it bothers me. If Benetira talk openly, in other words, in public, they say that the Rav was wrong in pascaning. So he said, I, I I think that's a terrible thing. He says, if you have a problem, go and argue with the Rav. And if and if and if you don't seem to come to an agreement, he says, go to a different go to a different bestin. But he says to go publicly in diba. He says that's a terrible thing. Um, he then has, there were some parches over here of, um, this was a, a, a town in Ungvar, where um, they tried, they, they brought in like a reform-type person to take over, to become a, a Sheikhit and led us back and forth with all sorts of um, you know, very strong against, he has no right to go in there you forget about his religious affiliation, just happen. this is another fascinating one, this was a story this is an example of the type of friction between Sidim and the, um, the, the Rabbonim this is written to the Rav in Barsha and what happened was as follows the, the Rav had a Vishnitzah community that lived in that city the Rav, they, somebody said that the visioner Reb had written a sefer called Tzemach Tzadik. There's a sefer Tzemach Tzadik from Visionitz. So one of the Chassidim said Tzemach is begematria Menachem. That means that the Reb is Mashiach. Mm-hmm. Serious. <laughs> the, um, so he's. So the Rav said that absolutely nonsense. And I'll say it. The Chassidim said the Rav is, is not piquitous, he, he, no munas chachamim, and, and, and therefore, he, he's totally to be ignored, they, 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 they took their own Sheikhit, they took their own rav, and, and, and they ran with it, and he writes a very strong letter, he said, I was so upset, what I heard about, what they did to the rav, he's been 15 years the rav, and he's a adam chashuv, he said, people got up there, and they put him to Khairim. And, uh, and the Rav says, I'm willing to go on a besan to clarify the matter. There was nothing I said that was wrong in anything. So he said, so even though it says, ben achichem, I shouldn't be speaking just having heard from one side, but he said, an issue where people have gotten up and said such strong things about a Rav really needs a reply. And he says, first of all, the, the cherem they made has no validity, explains why in not cherem. Secondly, he says um, they had no right to cut his salary no right to take someone else instead of him It's absolutely awesome. He says if you want to go to Besden, then you have to go to Besden. There's no right to do anything even before you go to Besden. and he said even out here on the other side um, You know uh, It's it, it, you know, th- there's no way in what you did was right very powerful and and uh, he says it brings a virtue of some safer He says to you, the Barsha community, how long will you destroy things and burn things with your haram and the It's no covered vision to Rebbe, and I'm sure he doesn't want to 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 it, to happen. And the some sefer is, used to say on, on a pasuk in Mishla, it says when when a likes a person what a person is doing, even the enemies will live in peace with him. So, San Sufi used to say that if two people are fighting and they want different things, they'll never agree. But if they want the same thing and the argument is how to get there, then 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 eventually they can make peace. So it says, If if is what the people want, then there's the next one is a letter from the Siget at him, that the people that said this, the vision's never said it. Hasid Shalom and it's Tamashek about the visioners and they they never said such a thing. And and and, and the whole Kol was not at Emes. You know, it, it, things never change. And and you know, they claim that the other side made up the 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 things about them and so on and so forth. On and on. There is another one about a Rav a community and. This is Kleisenberg, and there's an issue over here of they wanted to make Nosovshtart. He said, so the Kleisenberg Rav was Glasner Avrom Glasner. Avrom Glasner has a great grandson who lives in White Oak, and Glasner, and he's um, they, they call it he, his, he put out a safer. It's called Andorvi and um they opened up a citizen minion, and a citizen minion that was their own thing and uh they made their own community basically so he the he the the Rav glasner wrote this it's wrong it's awesome how can they do it so he says um so he basically makes seder he says listen it may not be appropriate what they did but it's not smart to stop it he said, um, it, it's not 100%. He said they don't have a right to take away from your salary. They have to keep supporting it, but you should not be stopping them doing what they're doing. And he says, You should only go to the if money. if there's a monetary issue that they're taking away dues or whatever. But if they're doing right or wrong, leave them be. And said, and that's that. There's another argument there. There's a Rav who, who was upset with this community, and the community said that they want to. He, he writes, this Rav seemed to be. Um, much more noted to reform and so on and he tainted that the new people have no business opening up the community and you see in his chuva that he walks a delicate line like he, he he's not he, he doesn't want to come out against someone when he's not clear to him if this person is wrong or not But on the other hand, he doesn't want to prevent the other community from taking somebody. And you see that he sort of walks in raindrops. Someone else was very upset about Sidem and he said that you know compromise is not good. What we should do is we should go to a Besdin. We should argue it out with with um with with Pilpil. In other words, I'll bring rice, they'll bring rice, and they told him it's nonsense, there's not going to be any rice, not going to be anything like that, no one ever won with that. Very, very, very uh, down-to-earth uh, advice on these things. Um, what other things, so a lot of, a lot of the things are about um, communities in Rabbanim, modern Rabbanim, the Zofar Rabbanim, now that seemed to be a big, a big issue. There's another thing, there was a Rav, that they, caught, that they caught wrong things. They felt that the Rav had done some things wrong. And they had many accusations against him. One of them, they felt that he had stolen money from the community. Um, and he writes that um, he, he's done which issues and how to resolve them, and when they have a right to push them away, when not. Very, very strong. One more fascinating letter. And this is people, it, 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 there was a Rav rav in Berlin named Rev. Azriel Hildesheimer. Rev. Azriel Hildesheimer had a seminary in, in, um, in, in Berlin. He was a Yarev very person. And Dr. Gretz, who was a historian, sort of the beginning of the conservative movement, he had been actually, he had learned to adopt Jean-Paul Hirsch and basically left the derech. He was somewhere between reform and conservative. He had gone to Eretz and came back with a terrible report that Eretz Yisrael is terrible and goes on there is horrible and so on and so forth, by the Frum people, obviously. So, he writes back a very strong letter against him. So, the four heinous that Dr. Gretz had was that there's a lot of politics in Eretz Yisrael, a lot of groups are killing each other, so, he writes, yes, it would be better that we miss Achit, but he says, until all becomes, comes, it's not going to happen. So, what's the point of it? <laughs> Two, that in Etz even wealthy people would take the money that was collected, they felt it was a school or whatever it is, and he writes on it uh, um, a Olimitzchus. The third, he writes, Gret said that because they marry young, they have all sorts of um, down syndrome and crazy children, and uh, and they're loose and all over the place and so forth. He said he's never seen anything like that. there's no what he's talking about. And fourth, he said that they don't have any schools, so they're very primitive, and um, and so on. And he, he answers him back very very sharply about uh, you know these young because it was obviously it, it was obviously done with the desire to knock. The, the people in in, in their the from people not any different. There was one more letter that I wanted to share. Um, somebody wrote a safer in Pressburg, a from person, and he said um, he's already put out a, a safer that had a lot of us comments. Now, he says let me quote you a piece from this he says um, the uh, he, he writes the basic that Rabbanim sit and writes for him, They learn pilpal all day and sit and write Sfarim all day on and so on. They they um, there's not much to add to it. It's just rehashing the same old stuff. They'd be much better off writing um, all sorts of Rimasim on Chomish, mm-hmm. Gematrius and stuff like that. Um, he um and this is a letter to him and he writes um very sharply about it and so on but very fascinating so this was a letter that had a lot of this was a safer that had a lot of hascomas and um and he really really writes very, very sharply about it i'll him um he he really was the one who sort of laid down the, the uh, w- what I would say, the format for Hungarian Jewry um, and how they would live afterwards. Um, the, the idea of being Mizbádal from the other communities was very sharp. Now, if you'll take a look, and it's one of the things that's hard for us to understand today, since the majority of the issues had to do with the shul, they were like Yaharak with, Valyavar with things of, of shuls. It's Asa Gama to in the shul where the beam is not the middle. It's Asa Gama to a that had a dome on the shul. It's Asa Gama this, Asa that. They were very macrame and hugging. Someone wrote to him that they used to have the drushes before laning, and people coming and going were disruptive, so he moved it to before Musaf. And even though it's a little bit of a halachic issue, with Ashray, you know, because, does, do you say Ashray before, say Ashera after. So, he, he writes to him, he says, it's best not to change it and hug him. If you have no choice and it's really impossible, fine, it's not a halacha. But, but as, as a kav, and the reason was because the reform in, in, in Berlin, in Germany, and in Hungary, the, their main thrust was to adapt the customs. And and that was what it was about. And therefore, if you gave an inch, you gave a foot, and you gave the whole thing away. I don't know if that applies. So people will quote Hungarian Sfarm, trubis firm. This is assegoma, asumuchlot. This is terrible. This is yarik It was true in Hungary. In Hungary, the sense was that the battleground is on a kutsershal yud. He has. Uh, I have a fascinating. I have. A, a Machutin, His name is Friedman. He's a he's um, he's a uh, a grand a grandchild of some cypher and a and he lives he's, a, he's in, he lives in Toronto. He's a he's a he's sort of curling man. I mean, he's an older person, and so he always digs up all sorts of interesting things. He brings one of his chuvis Are you allowed to carry a nifter on horse and wagon instead of carrying him like they do in Eretz on, on your back? And again, he writes that certainly it's not appropriate to be Mashana from Minhagim, but again, if there's a very big David and so on. A hundred years later, there's a Shiloh do you have to use a horse or wagon or can you use a car? And again, it's a very modern thing, and being Mashana from Minhagim and, and so on and so forth. There was a lot of, there's a lot of sort of um, poking fun at, at their fanaticism of Minhagim. But the truth was, and in Germany also, Hirsch, but it, the German Jews, they became fanatic about everything because that was the only way to stop it. Um, it, it, it there are different places where Fall Hirsch adopted it in a way that in Germany worked. But in Hungary, the Shik was the person who basically led the Muhammad. He himself actually. Was in favor of having drushes in Nigerian if it needed to be. That was one of the issues that he felt differently. Other him. but once everybody voted against it, he was a fatal Daito, and he criticized someone else for doing it. He said, "Listen, I thought it's right. I think it's right. But if the majority voted against me, you know, we have to go. We should go with, with the majority." And um, in many ways, that was the strongest. In, in I, I knew a yid. He was an adam, big Talmud Chachem and of the, the people of you who know of Tzvi Koshelevsky in Yisrael very big Rashi, very <laughs> Chashal Ha'am his father was Rav Elie Koshelevsky he had learned with my father together in, in Litta in, in Slabotka and he was a neighbor of mine and a very thoughtful person, very intelligent person he he's a big Tom Ha'am he was a Robin Be'er for many years he told me that as a Bacher he decided to go to visit all the different countries in East Europe he was, a, he was an interesting person, he liked to and he said the only country that Yiddishkeit would have survived if not for the war was Hungary. He said in every other place it was a downhill. Everything was going downhill. And Hungary was the only place where you saw a viable community continuing. Um, he, and he was no fan of Hungarians, I assure you, he was a Litvak through and through. There was nothing, that, he, he, he said it out of a sense of begrudging amiss, not out of, not out of uh, being a, a fan of it. But Lemaise, it, it was him, and, and you know, the, 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 the strength of Rabbonis, the strength of community, and the Chachma of understanding that the Chassid, despite the fact that they're not doing right, the way they're going about it, you have to learn to live with them because you kite will stay with them, they rain they are him. You have to you have to figure out a way to, to live with them better. Okay. What? The same thing. I mean